1: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: That was a playoff game last night. Yeah. They blew it. They did. Oh, I I, I will say, I was trying to walk the uh, appropriate line here of... Blown away at how well they played, and absolutely furious and annoyed at how they bleeped that game away with 30 seconds to go. If yep, literally 28 one, seconds, if one thing goes different, you don't get the stupid five-second call, or maybe I don't know. JB calls a timeout there, or when after Stephen Adams gets the putback to go ahead by one, maybe JB Bickerstaff. Uh, I don't, listen. I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe he calls a uh, calls a timeout and then yeah, they come back with an inbounds that? play. Maybe, 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 maybe. So nice. I I was the rest of the night. I was kind of riding the energy high from that game. Yeah. And also trying to decipher which side of the fence I landed on. Happy that they were that
3: competitive in a game that they were what seven and a half point dogs. You said. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the Grizz would cover, and they looked like they were going to cover over there for for a while. Or pissed that they blew the game. Oh, I'm not pissed they blew the game. Uh oh, I
2: meant last night. Like that's no, what I was trying to figure out. I mean, out. I'm
3: upset they lost the game, but no Donovan Mitchell um I thought they were going to get blown out to be honest with you with going into a team that had um 110 straight. So now 11 straight by the way. And uh I was I was impressed with the way they 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 showed fight. What I wasn't impressed with was really the coaching down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the disappointing part. I mean, I look, I've never been in that situation where, you, you know, haven't been an
2: NBA head coach yet.
3: Not yet. No, still time. You're yeah. A I'm, young man. Yeah. I'm working on it, but, but no, I've never been in that situation. I'm just being, you know, being sarcastic, of course, but to, you got to have awareness, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know what that's like, but I've seen so many great coaches in those situations just know and have that clock in your mind, and you've got the timeout. The Cavs left the game with a timeout. Yeah, and and it's it's just
2: weird. Like um, that was such a great performance to have spoiled in that moment, and to have it. To if you lose because of ex- execution, I can take it. Right? If you had had an inbound play and Darius got blocked, we'd be like hey, hell. You had an inbound yeah. play. Like maybe you could have gone something different, but it was just it. You did everything the way you could. Losing on coaching. and I, You know, I will say, though, before we get deep into the JB waters here, because I think I think it's okay to have the conversation we're about to have. But before we get into those waters, um, there is a part of me that, like, last night, even though you took the L, I still think last night is more of a positive than I think we realize. And it's not a silver it, it lining also. thing. Um, because I think playing in that atmosphere – even though it's a one game off. And the only reason it was that atmosphere is both teams took it equally seriously. But I think that benefits a young team. I think, I think, I think especially for a guy in Darius Garland, whose confidence has ebbed ebbed and flowed at points this year. I think him being able to go out and go toe to toe with John Morant, who is on another friggin' planet right now. Um, And Oh, by the way, not just that Evan Mobley was really great last night. You saw Karis LeVert have moments. Isaac Okoro's strong play. Okoro? Yeah. He hit
3: all his overs.
2: Yeah, but four for four from three. Don't tease me, I mean, Isaac.
3: But do you agree, how do you not like, like win when Okoro hits four or four from three?
2: Well, but do you agree? Like, playing in that environment, like, the win is the ultimate. But playing in that environment, going down to the wire, yeah. I still think there's a lot of positives you can gleam because the team could have given up. That should have been. With the way that the with with the way kind of like the the late first quarter, early second quarter went, that should have been a ten point loss. And by the way, that's a that's a ten point loss a month ago. Yeah. Like without Donovan on the road. So and I and I feel like it's so weird because anytime you talk about this, people go, Oh, that's silver linings. Guys, this isn't the NFL. You can lose a game like last night and you can still gain something tangible. It doesn't mean they were happy to lose. If you I mean, good God! Did you see the press conferences afterward, the uh, the media availability? Where I just I just wanted to go and hug all of them. <laughs> they looked like they looked like they had like the thousand yard stare, like they had been in Vietnam. That's how long, <laughs> and it's how bad they took that loss. But like, I don't want them to like losing that game. But like, specific to a team that needs to stack up some good games on the road. You you especially taking Darius uh, Donovan out of that equation. Yep. That's as good as it can be in a loss because you should you should have come away from that feeling good about the Cavs. They didn't lose because Darius Garland. They didn't lose because of Karras. They didn't lose because Isaac Okoro bleeped the bed from three or was not aggressive. And by the way, you mentioned the four for four. He also was pretty aggressive trying to get to the rim a couple times, which was really encouraging. I don't think those are silver linings. I think those are those are at least a one-game sample size where you can point to and say, oh, that's real growth there. Now you gotta do it with Donovan. Now you gotta do it consistently on the road, but like, yeah, you lost because of coaching. You actually know, you lost because of two decisions by your coach at the end of the game.
3: And that's disappointing. And listen, it's um it's a tough loss, man. To lose on a tip in like that. And then, you know, you've got the timeout on the final possession. You can see Garland's kind of struggling a little bit there to get something off. Mm-hmm. Um Let's take a t- let's take a timeout. Yeah,
2: I thought I know a lot of people wanted the timeout.
3: For and and the- by the way, I, I'm kind of of the mindset when you're down one in that situation to push it and try to get the bucket mm-hmm. and then put a little pressure on them. Because if you don't get the bucket, you can still found and still have a chance at the three.
2: Yeah, it felt like they didn't do it. it, it no, felt they like, didn't at it all. Felt they, like they, JB didn't do it. No, I
3: mean, there was like what 18 or no, it was like 12 seconds or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like if, if that's me. I'm getting that ball and pushing it down the floor and trying to get fouled or get to the get to the rim. Instead of do like, one, <laughs> instead of hanging around the perimeter, yeah, for what was seemed like an eternity, yeah. which really was about nine seconds and no ball movement, no just dribble, dribble, no, dribble. It was it was bad. Like you got to see that and call timeout. Yeah. Even if you call timeout with three seconds, it's okay. Yeah, like well, you st- you could still draw up a play and get it and get a decent look.
2: Actually, that's a great point. You can break that that individual final fourteen seconds into three separate things. You, you you let Darius bring the ball down the court, see if there's anything there. You're seven yeah, seconds you can push, in. You can
3: push it in that situation. Well,
2: and well, you can push it, so that's the other thing. And then the third thing is you could have just called timeout and given yourselves you know, nine, 14 seconds. Nine seconds,
3: seconds that, yeah. 10 seconds, so, whatever it was.
2: So it was, and I think it's fair, like last night are the kind of games that we're going to have to judge JB on. Yeah, because is and I know this is the nasty side of it. Like I think J.B. Bickerstaff is a good NBA coach, whatever that means. But good NBA coaches get fired all the time. Yep, Dwayne Casey's been fired like four times in his career. Literally took took Toronto to back to back playoff uh, appearances and got run for Nick Nurse. So like good coaches get get fired all the time, and the big question is: is the fit still there? And it's funny because a lot of the things that people are so certain about J.B., um, the development of, of the Cavs players. And I think he's done a great job with their upper echelon players, but like role players, like Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens. Other kind of role players, like I guess my greater point is we've got to figure out what J.B. Bickerstaff is good at now that it matters. I think when the stakes are low, I think I I don't want to say it's easy because you're always under the threat of being fired. But like games like last night should matter. If I'm the Cavs, it's not oh I, hey, we got it, it in April. If you're the 7th seed instead of the 4th seed, we're not going to think back to Memphis and say, "Ah, I think we should fire JB because the way he handled that." But is this something that you squirrel away? Is this part of the the greater conversation is JB Bickerstaff the right coach for this team? Not not now, but Long term, yes, yes. And if JB is going to be that guy,
3: you can't lose that game. And, and, listen, by, and by the way, why were they looking for a three? You're down one point.
2: Yeah, uh, it just it doesn't. It like doesn't matter. Any,
3: any game I've watched, whether it be college, high school, and NBA, when you're in those situations late in the game, you're mm-hmm. down a point. Like you got to go to the rack. Well, I saw it a night ago, or not a night ago, like a, a, a week ago in the Buckeyes game mm-hmm. when the Gophers, it was a, well, I think it was a tie game, and they drive to the bucket, and they get fouled, and they win by one. I have had coaches tell me before that in moments like that,
2: I'm going to go ahead and let this play out because either I want it as a teachable moment or I want it as I just want to see how they react. Um which I, which I do understand the philosophy. The Cavs aren't there yet. Like, to me, that's like a Phil Jackson thing. When you have Kobe and you have Shaq and you know who you are, you can let your team lose a game at the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. When you are on the road with a team that has struggled to win games on the road against one of the hottest teams in the NBA, against one of the premier stars in the NBA, with a chance to pick up a win that nobody, including Vegas, thought you had a chance to do. That's not the teachable moment. It's just not. This is where you kind of got to continue trying to rack up as many wins because they're going to be hard to come by when it comes in March and April. And here's the thing. You know when you have teachable moment? Well, I'm just going to let them roll the ball out there and see how it goes. You know when that happens? Do that in October. Do that in November. When the calendar's turned over, don't give me that teachable moment crap. Right. Win the damn game. And if I'm JB... I think JB should have walked into that locker room and said, you know what, guys? That was my bad. That's on me. I didn't put you in a position to win as a coach in those final 30 seconds. Doesn't matter what happened the first 47 minutes and 30 seconds. In the final 30 seconds of this game, that's on me. The good news is I do think he's the kind of guy that would do that. But it just felt like... Well, maybe he did. What a kick in the absolute skippies in what was one of the best games I've seen from them all season long. It was a great game. Doesn't matter. You lost. We do have some NFL news to pass along. As uh, multiple reports now saying, including Ian Rappaport, Bill O'Brien is uh, interviewing for the OC job in New England.
3: Kind of thought that could happen.
2: Yeah, it kind of felt like, for whatever reason, it it feels like guys have a shelf life with uh, with Saban. Guys that go... With Belichick. No, I meant from guys that go from the NFL to, to coach and kind of rehab their image. Oh, yeah, yeah. They
3: they go to to Saban camp. Yeah. And, and then they come back to Belichick camp.
2: And it's usually anywhere from one to head three coach years. Camp. Yeah. Like Brian Dable was, I think, there for one year, and that was enough to jump start his NFL career. I actually think Bill O'Brien was a fine enough head coach. I just think he was too Machiavellian and kind of ruined himself I kinda, as kinda a think GM.
3: He's more of a college head coach, honestly.
2: Ah, it's interesting you said that because, I mean, I mean it's it's tough to win in Houston, and he did it. Yeah. You know, like...
3: How many times did he go to playoffs? Twice? Three times?
2: Uh, I think like three times, which, again, he did so like multiple years in a row. He was in the playoffs or in the playoff it, hunt, and it was, was like T.J. Yates. I was going to
3: say, didn't he win a game with T.J. Yates against the Bengals?
2: I want to say he won a game with Brandon Whedon, which is a pretty good sign. So... uh Bill O'Brien, maybe on his way back to New England there. Uh, of course, the Browns yesterday introducing uh, Jim Schwartz. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into some Browns talk here eventually, but we are talking about the Cavs lost last night. And I, I tend to agree. Brian Shaw, the famed meteorologist, had tweeted me last night and Twitter reaction brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. And he had said, there's no good losses. I totally understand that, that line of thinking. For me... There's no good losses when you have to put it on the head coach. And that's where it was yesterday. And there is, I don't think it's a conversation that needs to be answered today uh, or a question that needs to be answered today. I don't think it, it might not even need to, need to be answered by the end of the year. Right? It, it This might take time, just like with Evan Mobley, who's developing, just like with Darius Garland, who's still developing. But I think there's this sense that because the Cavs are winning, we have all the proof that we need that JB is the right guy for the Cavs going forward. Winning regular season games matter. Building a great culture matters. You you shouldn't disregard that, Dustin, Mm -hmm. just because, right? Because it's the easiest thing in the world to do is to fire a coach. I'm not there yet with JB, not even really close to it. But I think in terms of evaluating him, Right now, it's culture and regular season wins that I have for him. Down the stretch, you lose a game like last night. You lose that game on, on March 17th, and we're talking about that being the difference between the fourth or fifth seed and hosting a, a home series or, or not. That it, it gets the, the pressure from here to there gets ratcheted up once you get past the All-Star break.
3: Oh, no question. And there's going to be a lot tougher games ahead. Um, tougher. How about this weekend, Nick? I mean, obviously we're at home, but I mean, you've got the Warriors. Is Curry going to be playing this game Friday? I don't know. And then, I, I and then a back-to-back with Giannis?
2: Yeah, that's a big one. Um,
3: I'll be there Saturday.
2: The, so the back-to-back with Giannis is obviously important because you lost, I think, the first two matchups against them, and then you won the last matchup. So you kind of have to win out in the idea of a uh, regular season tie for like seating purposes. So yeah, it's funny because to me, I started watching this team a little differently when we kicked over to January. I think that's probably earlier than most people. I don't think most people really start to, to, I don't want to say be critical, Mm -hmm. but to be the kind of critical that you need to be to assess whether your team's a really, really good team or just a really good regular season team. Right. Um, But I think with this team, it's really – the next two months are going to go a long way. And I think specific to JB, like I think the culture he's built affords you to add a Donovan Mitchell without subtracting from the culture that got you to win in the first place. That's a huge thing. But now it's about, okay, you did that. And I hate this, but this is the reality of it. The Cavs were aggressive to get Donovan Mitchell. Even though they've got a lot of youth, the second you got Donovan Mitchell, the
3: expectations changed. So yeah, and it's similar to the Browns in a lot of ways. I mean, the second you got Watson, expectations changed. Mm-hmm. When you go out and get a superstar, and you've got a roster that's pretty talented, I think it's fair for the expectations to rise and for people to expect more. And for this Cavaliers team, a team that was just on the cusp last year of of kind of having a little special run, and obviously they had the play in deal and that whole thing, mm-hmm. but to come into this season and then to add an absolute bona fide superstar to this team, I think everyone in Cleveland and every Cavs fan out there feels like this should be a top five seed, a team that could compete for the Eastern Conference. Like right now, not not next year, mm-hmm. but right now. And I think the Cavs are to some
2: degree living that way. I think, I think the problem is some of the things we perceive being J.B. Bickerstaff uh, edicts Like the starter minutes. I also think those are things at the end of the season you can say, All right, I just, that's not the way we should have done this and we wore down our players. And I think it's, I think today should be not just because of last night, but because we're, you know, 46, 47 games into the season. Yeah. I think it's finally time to start having the conversation. We got 46 games, 47 games, 48 games with JB Bickerstaff with this team, with Donovan Mitchell. Do we feel like he's the right guy? Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. So to kind of start this, are you guys certain? Are we still certain that JB is the right coach to get the Cavs over the hump? I want to get more into that, but Tom's been waiting patiently here.
4: Tom, welcome to the show,
2: buddy. What you got for us?
4: Yeah, overall, I think you guys have covered everything right on the nose. I think the coaching at the end—why go for a three? They should be going down into the paint. Just all they needed was two points. Trying to get but,
3: fouled or something, but, right?
4: Yeah, I mean anything, but. Uh, the main thing that bothers me, because I record all those games and I play them back for things that bother me, but that inbounds, <laughs> call out hard. five seconds, if five seconds, if you, I use my time watch, the clock starts the minute the ball hits Chetty's hand, and I started it then, and when it left his fingers and stopped the watch, it was five seconds on the nose. Those refs don't use a clock. They're going... One, two. It depends on how quick or slow they go with their count. They were off, and it was that was a legitimate inbound at right on five seconds.
2: Tom, great stuff, buddy. We appreciate you. We appreciate the diehard. I believe it was Isaac Okoro that uh, that had the inbound pass there, <clears throat> it wasn't an inbound pass. The five second uh, call that he got there. There was one thing in in if we're just in bringing up last night's game. There was one call that absolutely did piss me off. It was the Ja Morant foul where uh, Stephen Adams had uh, had set a screen on Ja's initial defender. Can't remember who it was. And then Jared Allen came over to pick up Ja. And basically, it, Adams and uh, Allen were like a human wall despite playing on different teams. And Ja tried to split the defenders and basically just fell over. And they called the foul on Allen. It was a blocking foul. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, you can't do that. Like, this isn't Jim Brown trying to thread the needle between two tackles or two offensive linemen. Like, that that one did piss me off last night, Dusty.
3: Uh, I, I don't know if I recall that one, to be honest with you, but um, it sounds bad. So getting to J.B. Bickerstaff. <laughs> Sorry to help you out there. No, oh, no worries. Did not help
2: you out. No worries. I will never forgive you, but it's okay. So getting to JB Bickerstaff, I think there are, I think the end game stuff is fair because and Cavs fans have been on this for a while. Cavs fans have talked about whether it's timeout usage, whether it's, you know, not calling up plays like these are things that have kind of been a conversation on JB and I've kind of slow played them because the games haven't really mattered. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean like last last year the games didn't matter. What I mean is the expectation last year was as much development as it was winning. And there were opportunities, whether it was with Darius or Mobley or any of the young guys. All right, we got to put them in a situation and, and feel how it is. I think you're seeing like Memphis could have taken the Cavs completely, completely disregarded them. Because Donovan wasn't on the court. Teams are no longer sleeping on the Cavs, even when their best player isn't on the court. When the
3: Cavs are in the building, I think you have to respect who they are, Mm -hmm. Uh, not just because of Donovan Mitchell, but because you've got other really good players. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would the Cavs respect the Grizzlies if they came to town without Ja? Yeah. Yeah. I think they would.
2: You know why? Because that
3: team will punch you in the mouth. They will punch you in the mouth. They did last night. Also, I'm scared of Adams. Oh, yeah. No, I just want to hang out. I've been scared of him since the the OKC days. I just
2: want to hang out with Steven Adams. Right? I just... Well, I wanted to be my friend. Take a little ayahuasca with Steven Adams and just chill out. And he's just going to say things and you're just going to vibe. I feel like Steven Adams off the court is a guy you can just vibe with. No,
3: I could vibe with that. I'm just saying he scares me. Yeah, but you know I want him him on my team.
2: I've heard he's just like otherworldly strong. Like you expect that of somebody who's seven foot tall, but like, <laughs> but like even like amongst like strong, tall people, like NBA centers are like, yeah, that's that's a dude that's tough to move off the spot. But I mean, I think I think there are two things I need to see JB Bickerstaff prove in the final thirty eight regular season games and in the playoffs. And I mean consistently prove. We've already talked about the in-game stuff. I need to see some changes to the rotation. Um, the Cavs should not be rolling on any given night, seven deep or eight deep. The Cavs have so much depth, right, that, and I understand coaches are different on this. Like Tom, Tom Thibodeau is going to run a, a seven-man set, seven-man, eight-man set. It doesn't matter. He could have, you could have the, uh, the, the, the 92 dream team. And he's going to keep somebody on the bench. He's going right. to keep he's going to keep MJ or Isaiah on the bench, Barkley on the bench. It's just who he is. JB shouldn't have to do that. This was a team that was routinely getting deep into their bench last year, nine, ten guys. And at this part in the season, mm-hmm. I, I've I've again I've continued to let like little things build up with JB, where it's like, all right, well maybe he's just trying to help them round off the tough edges and trying to like fast forward on the potential fit concerns with. Uh, Donovan and Darius. Okay, it's also January. Okay, you're playing a buttload of minutes. And I think you saw it. Like I think I think the other criticism of last night is I think Darius was was toast. I think Darius was tired. And I don't think it's cuz he played a lot of minutes last night. I think it's cuz he's played a lot of minutes all season long. I think when we when we start talking about things like Donovan getting banged up, well, I think maybe we're starting to see, like that's a game you could have easily won. And at one point, the Cavs had kind of taken it over late. These are all little things I need to see from JB Bickerstaff. Two one six five seven eight double zero nine two. Don, welcome to the show.
5: Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, afternoon. but what you got? Um, my question for you guys is: since LeBron returned from Miami, where do you put JB? As a Cavs coach, where would you rank him? Would you think he's the best coach we've had in, in, in those terms? I personally think he is the best coach we've had when you consider everything. The players, the atmosphere, and the actual basketball X's and O's. Um, I forget the Euro coach name that we had for David the one Blatt. season.
2: Never forget yeah. Blatt.
5: Yes. Well, Blatt, a lot of people don't want to admit Blatt knows a lot about basketball. He's a great basketball mind. It obviously didn't work out, and maybe it wasn't a great fit. But I'm just curious what you guys think of bigger staff in that regard, because I think he's hands down the best coach since LeBron's come back, and I think he kind of puts some of the other coaches to shame. And it might not be fair only because how hard is it to coach a team with LeBron James, right? In terms of winning games, because LeBron's going to win you games.
3: I think you yeah, can Ty, make I think a case. Tyloo Ty is a pretty good coach.
2: Yeah, I, well, I think Tyloo's the right coach for that team.
3: Yeah. I, JB would not be a good coach for that veteran Cavs team. I no.
2: Don't think. No, not not to be thrown into like no, Lou was, No.
3: But or like, like Blatt was.
2: I'll be honest. I outside of Blatt, I don't think the Cavs have had a lot of bad coaches since LeBron left for Miami. I thought Byron Scott was a really mm. good NBA head coach. The problem was he just didn't win enough, and when you you don't win enough and you take on too many rebuilding projects, eventually you get ran out of the NBA. I thought I thought Byron was a fine coach. Mike, I thought Mike Brown 2.0? Uh, well I still think he's a good coach I just think the it was a weird fit yeah you know what I mean and I think that's what this is it's not that jb's a bad coach it is has he has he kept up with the with the change in circumstance right he was clearly the right guy to help you rebuild is there concern that he might not be the right guy to take the next step with you Two one eight double nine two uh we're gonna keep it there again. This is, it comes up because of last night's late game blunders, but is it time to have the conversation about whether or not JB Bickerstaff is truly the right guy? Is it too early to have that conversation from a current NBA coach to an old one? You brought this up in the break. Stan Van Gundy continues to be his, it's not a Twitter follower, a Twitter follow for everyone. But uh, Stan Van Gundy continues to be one of the most fun NBA Twitter followers out Dude's just there. spitting it. He's just spitting. That's what he is. So he, he tweeted out, uh, what was this, two nights ago? He was talking about how the difference between 90s teams. Yeah,
3: basically back in the 90s, guys, I'll, I'll paraphrase, guys had a trainer and a strength and conditioning coach, and they basically played almost every night back-to-backs. And he's not talking about injuries like you know broken bones and things like that, but he's talking about like groins and hips, hamstrings, things like that, like soft tissue, soft tissue stuff. How guys get more rest than ever, and it appears to be the numbers on those issue issues injuries are way up. Mm -hmm. And then Kevin Durant tweeted at him and said, "Stan spitting." Stan spitting.
2: Now, uh, for all you old heads out there, that means he agrees with (laughs) him.
3: And I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily know that I knew that either. <laughs> so
2: I, I knew it. I just would never say it. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where like every
3: once in a while, like he's basically saying preach.
2: Yes. Yes. Every once in a while, there's uh there's a parlance of the young made myself sound old as hell there. There's something that young people say that I'm like, Oh, I can do that. Like a parlay of the young uh, parlay of the young.
3: Uh, okay. Sorry. That's okay. Um,
2: like vacari. Bakari's a, a a young, young human being at just 17 years old. And he loves to say cap. Cap, no cap, right? He, he loves that. I feel like I can pull off cap. Spitting? No. Like, if you, if you cut a promo, if you were, like, pissed about the timeout usage at the end of the game, and I was just like, Dustin, you're spitting. Nope, couldn't pull it off. Can't pull it off. So I appreciate that when Kevin Durant, Responded to Stan Van Gundy saying, "Stan, spitting." Stan Van Gundy said, "No, I'm not criticizing players. I'm saying we're not getting uh, something wrong in how we prepare and train players. We can't do anything." And mm-hmm. went on this whole thing, and then Kevin Durant replied, "No, it was someone else that replied, and wasn't it?" No, no, no. It was, it was, it was. Katie re- uh, replied and said, "Stan, I agree with you." Lol. Oh, that's right. That's and then, right. and then another person said, "Spitting means you're speaking facts, Stan." <laughs> and then Stan Van Gundy replied, "Had no idea."
3: I love uh, Stan Van Gundy. I do too. I like him better as a on TV and on radio as a uh, analyst, as opposed to a coach. Yeah, he's way better than his brother. I kind of feel the same way about Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, I I'm not a big Jeff Van Gundy fan. I'm more of a Stan Van Gundy fan.
2: I, well, I, I just meant more like I, they kind of annoyed me as head oh, coaches. Oh, as coaches, yeah. But, like, as analysts, I just can't do Van Gundy and Mark Jackson together. Because I think Mark Jackson, mm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I really have problems. I think Mark Jackson's not a great human. Mama,
3: thing. there goes that man.
2: Uh, So we're having the conversation about J.B.
3: Bickerson. Hand down, man down. I think something like that. Now say spitting. Spitting. Spittin'.
2: It's not spitting in it. It's spitting. Spitting in it's something completely different. Stop.
3: You're the one that said I, it, not me. I just said spitting it. And it, it, it's wrong. Spitting it. Spitting <laughs> spittin', spittin it. Spitting it. Spitting. I'm spitting it. It's spitting. Spitting spittin it. No. no, There's no it. Why are you adding that thing at the yeah, end?
2: Yeah. You're adding an additional sound. There's I'm it's, Yo, I'm spitting it. No. No. that That's so bad. No. No, I you're I, the least cool oldest man in the world, is saying no. Bro, I be spitting it. You just keep keep going. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Just keep spitting it. Just keep doing it.
3: All I do is spitting it. All right.
2: So, uh, in having this conversation about JB Bickerstaff. And again, it's more or less a vibe check on JB Bickerstaff. And it's pertinent because yesterday's game, they lost because, in part, because JB Bickerstaff really didn't handle the team properly in the final 30 seconds of the game. There's probably also games of even point two that he's won, but it's more of a conversation of this is always going to be a conversation, right? Is JB the right guy? And the answer today is still yes. But the answer two months from now. Might not be. Or once we get in the playoff series, it might not be. Like, people forget J.B. Bickerstaff was the interim coach in Houston on that team, and I think it was CP3 and and in uh, Ross that were together. And they got bounced out of the playoffs in the first round of the series. So there's, I think J.B. does have to prove himself. But Thomas uh, slid into the DMs. At Nick Wilson says on Instagram, uh, Thomas spitting here, saying... <laughs> Are we going to start talking firing coaches again? It's so worn out. That's all you people do in this town. What do you mean, you people? Uh, Give it time. Yeah, I I think this again is like, there is a conversation in between this guy's the greatest coach ever and he's the worst coach ever. And I just, I would simply say, I don't know JB's going to be the head coach next year. I don't know he should be the head coach next year. And I think in the same way that everybody who isn't um Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. everybody beyond that to me is is just window dressing. Like I like them. I love watching Jetty play. Lamar Stevens is so much fun. And Kevin Love's a great story. Like I love the guys that they have. Ricky Rubio. None of them would stop me from upgrading. If I could get a better fifth player to to pair with the other four. You have to. We should think the same way about J.B. Bickerstaff.
3: 100%.
2: And I think he gets high marks. But
3: but I think it's still early,
2: though. No, it is. And that's 100% fair to say. But this isn't should they fire J.B. Bickerstaff. It is 48 games into the year. How are we feeling about J.B. Bickerstaff? Because I'm still mostly... I'm lukewarm. I would say I'm mostly optimistic. But I think... I think 48 games in, I doubt him a little bit more than I did at the start of the season. And I think that's I think that's really telling because the first 48 games, you really we don't put a lot of weight on it. Like in real time, we don't put a lot of weight on it. The next 34 games, the next 30 games, it's going to be a lot of weight on that. And this is a team that last year I still will say I think last year was about the injuries and and how they went from what the fourth seed to to being a play in team. But the next 30 games are crucial in JB Bickerstaff proving that he's the guy. Because here's the thing, and I, I don't mean this in like a, 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 a any way that he should be thinking about this. This would be one of the most sought out jobs in the NBA if you decided you need a better or no, it's not better, it's di- it's different, right? David Blatt was not the right head coach for LeBron's Lakers. Ty Lue was. Now, Ty Lue was not the right guy to lead this team through a, no, a rebuild. No. Neither was John Beeline, but J.B. Bickerstaff I was. I totally
3: forgot about John Beeline. So did was John he, was he? Yeah, he forgot too. Yeah.
2: What's he doing now? Uh, Is he on Big Ten Network? Isn't he coaching somewhere? I want to say, I remember he was connected to a job like two coaching cycles ago in college basketball. So it's less about, is J.B. Bickerstaff
3: a good coach? And
2: it's more about, is he still the right coach for the he Cavaliers? He works for
3: the Pistons as a senior advisor. You think he just walks around and I tells he just everybody? he went back to, to Michigan and said, uh, He's taking Tom y- Gore's give me, money? Give me something.
2: Ah, that's... He was a really great college coach. And a disaster of an NBA coach. We all saw it coming from miles away. Mm-hmm. But again, therein lies the point. It's all about fitting the NBA. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. What does this Cavs team need from JB over the next three months? Because I I will say you have a end of game situation like the Grizzlies game, and that's the thing that costs you uh, going takes you from the fourth seed to the sixth seed. You're going to go from 0 to 60 really really quickly.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only
1: at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible
0: trade-in when you switch.